I'd like you to open it over to the book of Numbers. Numbers, chapter 23. Numbers 23. We're going to be spending two weeks on the promises of God. I think that this is a very important thing for us to understand. It's a great topic, not only that, but something that is uh, very foundational to your life and mine. The world is continuing to rapidly change for the worse. You've probably noticed that. Deceit, which is lying. Deceit seems to be in an all-time high. It is getting to where there are very few people you can trust. You can't trust politicians. You can't trust a lot of lawyers. Not all lawyers are untrustworthy, but there are many that are. Depends. You can't trust government authority. It's gotten to where you can't trust the government legal system as far as law enforcement. There's all kinds of issues you can't trust. Well, it's just, it's just all over the place. You can't trust the warranty that you assume your warranty that you get on something new, you assume that it would cover certain things, and then you find out, no, that warranty doesn't cover that. And it's like, okay, then what good is the warranty for this? I bought a warranty figuring, you know, like most people figure this warranty is going to cover broken parts of this. And then you find out, no, the warranty only covers some of the parts that break, not all of them. To me, that's dishonest, but maybe that's just me. I'm simple thinking in those kind of things. I just figure, okay. You see, folks, we come from a presupposition in our nation and as believers that people tell the truth, that when people speak, they tell the truth. And we keep making the mistakes over and over and over with man that man is trustworthy. So you hear something on the news and you say, did you hear that? This and this and this. And then you find out, well, no, that really wasn't what happened. It was the way it was spun. And by the way, it doesn't matter whether it's MSNBC or Fox News. There are times when things are not accurate. Now, if you're a diehard Fox News person, I'm sorry about that. Okay. And, And there's a lot of good on Fox. There is. But I'm just saying, don't put all your eggs in that basket, because these are mortals. And they do have a product. Do you understand? Fox News is a product. And so where you've got the liberal side, you've got the Fox News side. I think uh, as far as real news, I think Fox does a good job. As far as their evening lineup, I have some real questions about some of the things there, as far as hyperbole goes. But anyways, I don't mean to get off track on all this. The issue is this. Deceit seems to be in an all-time high, and it is getting to where very few people are trustworthy. Now, here's a serious problem. This disappointment of broken trust can carry over into your relationship with God. And that's where this really becomes a problem, folks. People make the mistake of putting the Lord in the same category as human beings. And you just can't do that. While he did become a man in the person of Jesus Christ, he was the perfect man without sin, and he was God at the same time. So he was fully God and perfect man. Okay, fully God and perfect man. And so we're going to start out with something very basic tonight. I'll get your ideas on it, and then I'll give you some definitions of my own. Here's the question number one is this What is a promise? What is a promise? 
Ever thought about it? What is a promise? Well, Strong's lexicon says this. It says, to announce upon. Interesting. To announce upon. To engage to do something. You're saying you're going to do something. Webster's 1828, one of the great classic dictionaries of all time. It says this. This is great. In a general sense, a declaration, written or verbal, made by one person to another, which binds the person who makes it, either in honor, conscience, or law, to do or forbear a certain act specified. A declaration which gives to the person to whom it is made a right to expect or to claim the performance or forbearance of the act. That's deep. They don't make minds like that anymore. Anyway, biblically speaking, biblically speaking, a promise is that the Lord, when we talk about God promising, a promise is that the Lord will be true to his word. When God makes a promise, it means that he will be true to whatever he said. This is, in a real sense, self-defining, isn't it? Because God cannot lie. Now understand this. We're going to look at some scriptures here in a minute. It isn't that God chooses not to lie. It is not possible for God to lie. Okay? People say, well, God can do anything. No. He can't sin. And lying is a sin. God can't sin. God can't lie. He wouldn't even have the urge to lie. It's not in him to lie. This is foundational to all the rest. For if the Lord can lie and break a promise, then it all has everything in life. Everything in life has the potential of failing and falling apart. If God can lie, everything in life has the potential of that. He's the head. He's the top. If you can't trust him, you can't trust anybody or anything. If he cannot lie, then what he says is a real promise. And so we want to spend some time on that. Let me give you a statement tonight. The promises of God are an extension of his attributes. The promises of God are an extension of his attributes. Here in Numbers 23, look at verse 19. It says, God is not a man that he should lie. Boy, that doesn't put us in a very favorable light, does it? God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? That's a pretty good definition of a promise right there. If he says it, he'll make it good. That's a promise. That's a promise. Let me show you another one. Turn with me over to the New Testament. Titus. See, folks, this has to do with the character of God. Now, the character of God is foundational to our relationship with him. And the character of God is foundational to the trustworthiness of Scripture and how you view the Bible. If the Bible is, in fact, the inspired, God-breathed Word of God, given to us by the Holy Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God is God, the Holy Spirit of God cannot lie. So if this is, in fact, the very Word of God, it is 100% trustworthy. So when the world comes along and says, well, no, we evolved, 
It's a lie. I'd say, how do you know it's a lie? You don't have a PhD in geology or chemistry or all this. God says it's wrong. God says things were created. If God is God, he can't lie. Therefore, he has to tell the truth. Do you see how this works? This is how it works. You know, we used to think there were, there were, it was male and female. Now there's whatever you want to be. No, you have the problem. God says it's male and female. That's how he created us. Titus chapter 1, verse 2, it says, In hope means joyful anticipation. El peace is the word. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. All who put their faith in Christ, they can have the anticipation that they will be in heaven one day. As a matter of fact, you have everlasting life the moment you believe. How do you know that? Jesus said it. Jesus is God. God can't lie. Therefore, it's true. How do you know you're going to heaven? I believe what God says. I put my faith in Jesus Christ as the one who died for all my sins, paid my sin debt, and rose from the grave. And he says, if I believe he did that for me, if I trust in him that he did that for me, the moment I do, he gives me everlasting life. You really believe that? Yep. Why do you believe that? God can't lie. He's God. He can't lie. Therefore, it's true. It's settled. See how foundational this is? Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 6. You know, one of the richest studies you'll ever have as a believer is to study the attributes of God, his characteristics. Hebrews 6, verse 17, it says, Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel. In other words, immutability means it never changes. Okay, he's immutable. Confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it was, look at this, impossible for God to lie. We might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Two immutable things. God's character, who he is, God's word. God's word is his oath. Whatever he says, you know, you'll hear people say, I swear to God. Do you? If God was on the witness stand, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help you God? I am God. I'll swear by my character. I can't swear by anything higher than me. That's God, okay? He is God, folks. This is amazing. One of God's attributes is that he is, not only he can't lie, but he is the truth and the positive side of that. Turn with me to John chapter 14. This is not just a, uh, okay, with, yeah, I know that's a salvation verse. Have you ever taken the time? Listen, you could have a, a full course spiritual meal on John fourteen six. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way. There's, by the way, four absolutes. The four absolutes in John fourteen six. I am the way, not one of them, the only. The means the only. I am the way. It's exclusive. I am the way. The, notice the second one. Truth. I am the truth. I am the life. Then the fourth one is no man comes to the Father but by me. Well, there you go. Four absolutes. Is it any wonder why people hate Christianity? I am the way. Oh, no, no, there's many ways. Nope. 
Jesus is the truth. He can't help but tell the truth. He can't tell a lie. Therefore, if you say there is another way besides him, it can't be true because he can't lie. What he said is 100% accurate. He's the truth. You can bank on it. Look with me. You're in John. Turn with me back to chapter 1 of John. John chapter 1. It's talking about the Word. We know the Word is the Lord Jesus Christ. It says, In the Word, or Jesus, was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Don't look at that verse and say, okay, he was 50% grace and he was 50% truth. No, th- these are his attributes. This is who he is. He's full of grace and he's full of truth. He's 100% full of grace. He's 100% full of truth. It has to do with his person. He is truth. Okay? Now, the one who cannot lie has sworn by his own nature to keep his promises. In Hebrews, it talked about he can't swear by anything higher. All right? God swore by his own nature his word, whatever he says. Okay? You can absolutely bank on it. The one who cannot lie is sworn by his own nature to keep his promises. How much more secure could someone be if the one telling you, I promise you this, absolutely will keep his word and can't fail to keep his word? That's as secure as you could possibly be. It would be enough that God simply says what he does and it is up to us to believe him. That would be enough But man wonders by nature. Because we've been lied to so many times, we doubt. We are not used to people who have never lied. And there's only one person we know in all of the universe who can't lie. And that's Jesus. That's God himself. Because we're used to people lying and deceiving. Therefore, we have a hard time sometimes. And listen, folks, I know it's challenging But you know, I wonder about this. Why is it so challenging for us to believe what God says? Is it because man is so deplorable and we've been disappointed so many times? Or is it because we we have so much pride that we believe more in ourselves than we do in him? Let's move on. Number two, our first point, remember, our first point is what is a promise? We define what a promise is. Number two, we find the promises of God. So, okay, God promises things. What are they? Where do I find them? We find the promises of God in his word. Now, this is a magnificent thing. Can I tell you this, Christian? If you'll meditate on that, you'll fall in love with your Bible all over again. You'll just love it. I am glad they are there because they are written down and we can go back and see them time and time and time again. And there's not a person in this room that doesn't need that. When we are in despair, when we are struggling, when things seem hopeless, when we are down, no matter what it is we're facing, okay, we can go and we can say, wait a minute, doesn't the Bible, I I need to read, I need to read that again. I need to read that again. I need that verse in Isaiah. I need that verse in Deuteronomy or Joshua 1. I need that verse over in the Psalms and you can go there and there it is, okay? And nowadays, you know, you can bring it up on your phone. You can, you can, it's, it's, It's all over the place, all over the place. 
How wonderful is that? Look with me to 2 Peter chapter 1. God is the God of promise and God can't lie. In God, the fact that God can't lie should give me full confidence if the Bible's the word of God, I should be able to have full faith in what the Bible says. I know the world looks at that and they say, you people are, are nuts. Well, we may be nuts, but we're screwed to the right bolt. This is the way it is. You can't do better than the one we have because the one we have is perfect. He can't lie. And if he tells me in Jeremiah that he loves me with an everlasting love, I may not comprehend it, but I know it's true. And you know what? We can move towards that, and we can look at that, and we can be drawn to that. The truths that we find in Scripture. 2 Peter 1.4, whereby Peter, remember Peter? You know Peter, the one who struggled, the one who put his foot in his mouth a lot of times, yeah, but he was also the one who was oftentimes the first one to respond in the right way, and how God used him in a mighty way. Well, here he is towards the end of his life. And it says in 2 Peter 1, 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these, by what? By these promises, ye might be partakers of the divine nature, experiencing God as a believer, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, exceedingly great and precious promises, 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 promises. These are really promises. Why? They're from God, and he can't lie. So I can just completely believe these things. Folks, you know what this is? This is a challenge to walk by faith, what it is. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to look at some unconditional promises in the Scripture. And listen, we could be here all night. We're not going to. I really narrowed this down to just a few to give you these as examples tonight. While getting saved is conditional, you might say, wait a minute, getting saved is not conditional. Oh, it is. Upon what? Putting your faith in Christ. Jesus has done all the work, but you have to believe for it to be good on your behalf. How sad the majority of mankind is going to end up in hell. And in reality, their sins were paid for 2000 years ago. But they didn't accept the payment that was made, so it wasn't put to their account. It wasn't imputed unto them. So they end up with no payment for sin, so they have to go to hell and pay for their own. What about unconditional promises? While getting saved is conditioned upon believing, listen to this now, staying saved is not. It's an unconditional promise. For the one who has believed in Christ, it is an unconditional promise that you are going to stay saved. Why? Because God said so. That's why. No matter what you do, once you've trusted Christ, you cannot be lost again. If you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, the Savior, you are saved no matter what. Why? Because all of your sin has been taken care of on the cross. All of it. Jesus paid for every single sin. So eternal security is an unconditional promise. Once you have trusted Christ the Savior, the Lord says he will never lose you nor cast you out. Well, I don't know. I don't know if I'm safe forever. I, I don't feel like I'm safe forever. It's not a matter of feeling. It's a matter of fact from the lips of God who cannot lie. Turn with me to John chapter 6. It says in John chapter 6 and verse 37, Jesus is speaking. And it says, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. 
And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise, no way, cast out. For I came down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which has sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. All that he has given me. Who are they? Those who understand the gospel and put their faith in Christ. You've come to Christ for salvation. You've come to him. You've put your faith in him as your savior. And when you do that, he says, you will never be lost. He'll never lose you. He'll never cast you out. And he's going to keep you saved and he'll raise you up at the last day. It's a promise from God. I like what one pastor said. He said, I'm as sure as heaven as if I'm already there. That's good theology right there. That's good theology. People say, well, don't you think it's kind of arrogant? Have you ever had somebody tell you, don't you think it's kind of arrogant you say you know you're going to heaven? See, that person doesn't get the gospel. They don't understand the gospel. They don't understand Jesus has paid for all of our sin. There's no sin that can send you to hell once you've trusted Christ as Savior because it's all paid for by the blood of Christ. You're in John chapter 6. Go to chapter 10. Verse 28, the issue is believing. Verse 25, they believe not. Verse 26, they believe not. But to those who believe, they're the sheep. The ones who believe are the sheep. The ones who don't believe are the goats. John 10, verse 28, it says, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. I've actually had people say to me, well, no, nobody can pluck you out of his hand, but you can jump out. To be ashamed of yourself for any statements so foolish as that. Are you a human being? Yes, and you can't then pluck yourself out of his hand. You are that secure once you trust Christ. You are that secure in Christ. He promises you are eternally secure in Christ Not based on how you live, it's based on nothing more than his promise. You're saved forever. Why? Because he said so. That's why. Well, I don't know if I can believe that or not. You're calling God a liar. God can't lie. You're in the wrong. Let me show you another unconditional promise. Go with me to Genesis chapter 12. It says in verse 1, God was speaking to Abraham. Here he's Abram. It says, now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curse thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. This is an unconditional promise to Abram. God decided he was going to use Abram, his name turned to Abraham, and he did with him exactly. And and listen, folks, all you got to do is look down through history. Those who have been good to the nation of Israel have been blessed. Those who have tried to do them wrong have been cursed. Nations that were pro-Israel were blessed when they were pro-Israel. When they turned against Israel, such as the European nations, they were cursed. One of the darkest places I've ever been in my life is Europe. It's a dark place. You know why it's dark? It's because they turned their back on the God of Abraham. That's why it's dark. It's a depressing place. Oh, it's so beautiful. And this, yeah, I understand there's a certain beauty there, but let me tell you, we've been there several times. It's a dark place. You sense there's a lot of Christianity missing that at one time was there. 
but it's no longer there. Why is that? Because of what God said. He made an unconditional promise to Abraham. He said, I'm going to use you. All the nations of the earth are going to be blessed through you. I'll bless the nations that bless you. I'll curse the nations that cursed you. That was an unconditional promise to Abraham. It wasn't, here's what I mean by unconditional. God didn't say, as long as you behave yourself, I'll bless you. No, this was God's decree and will, and this is the way it is. Look at Hebrews 13, Hebrews chapter 13. These are unconditional promises. Hebrews 13, verse 5. Let your conversation, your manner of life, the way you live as a believer, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. Look at this. For he hath said, what do you have as a believer? God has said, Jesus has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That's an unconditional promise. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I will never leave thee. Yeah, but, but you can walk away from God. You know, let me tell you something. You try to walk away with God from God, he's walking right with you. You are in his hand. He's not going to let go of you. He's not going to leave you. He's not like a horse in an old Western where the guy runs in a, goes into town and he wants a drink in the saloon and he stops and he wraps up his horse on a little rail and you stay outside here, I'm going in. God doesn't stay outside. When you trust Christ initially as a, as a person, the Holy Spirit comes to live within you. Everywhere you go, he goes. Right. Now, folks, don't see that as a detriment. That's the way rebels see it. You ought to see it as he's the comforter, right? He's our paraclete. He's the one who goes with us. We ought to be thrilled by that. He says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That's why we can be content because the Lord's with us at all times. Well, what if I'm not good? He's still there. What if I'm doing something I shouldn't do? Well, quit doing what you're doing, but guess what? He's still there. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. And for the believer, he sees it from the inside out because he lives within us, in our bodies. Okay, I could give you a lot more on this. Let me close with this section. Conditional promises. Okay, we're not going to go into a lot of detail, but the book of Proverbs is full of conditional promises. Unconditional ones, remember, we've just covered some of those, but there are conditional promises in the Word of God. In other words, if you do this, this is what happens, or I'll do this. If you don't do that, this is what happens, or I won't do that, God says. Proverbs chapter 3. Now, you know, can I tell you this? Sometimes it helps when you read verses to then read them in the opposite way for the truth to get driven home. And here's one, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. These are wonderful. These are wonderful verses. Back when we were in Bible college, you know, every year the yearbook would come out and, and people would take the yearbook around to their friends and their friends would write their favorite verse in the yearbook by their picture and put their favorite, you know, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, or Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and all that. Well, how about these? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. Here's the condition. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. And it's conditional. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. If we don't acknowledge him in all of our ways, he won't direct our paths. Do you see how this works? This is conditional. If you want to direct your own path, you can, but God's not going to do it. 
And if God's not doing it, folks, we're in trouble because we can't see, but he can. That's why it makes sense in all of our ways, acknowledge him. Lord, acknowledge him. You're putting him first. Lord, you lead me. Lord, I'm looking to you to guide my steps. And he says, okay, the way you look to me is you look at my word because I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give you written directions on what I want you to do. And that's what we see in Scripture. Turn with me to Joshua chapter 1. It says in verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. So we meditate in the word day and night so that we learn what God wants us to do, and we do it, and then look what it says, next two words. For then, conditional, thou shalt make thy way prosperous. And then, conditional, thou shalt have good success. But we don't have a prosperous way and we don't have success unless we meditate day and night and observe to do according to all that is written therein. It's a conditional promise. So there are Christians who are living miserable lives of failure and defeat. Why? Because they're not following God's plan for their life. It's a conditional plan. Oh, there is the unconditional promise. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. But there's also the conditional things as well. For sake of time, let me give you this one. Romans 8, verse 6, I'll just say it to you. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Choice. Carnally minded. You're looking at, you're loving, you're pursuing the things of this world. Okay, your life will be destroyed. So God says. It's a choice. It's conditional. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. You want life and peace? You want joy in your life? You want the fruit of the Spirit? Be spiritually minded. If that's where we're thinking and that's the direction we're going, God's going to bless us with life and peace. But that is conditional on us being spiritually minded. It's a conditional promise, though. It is a promise, but it's conditional promise. By the way, does God keep his promises? Yes. Yes. I don't know about you. I want life and peace. I want the fruit of the Spirit in my life. Okay, God says, okay, that's what you want. I'll give it to you. But you're going to have to... Walk in the Spirit, not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Stay in fellowship with me. Obey my word. Trust me. Let me guide you. I'm your shepherd. Sheep make lousy shepherds. We're bad. Okay? I couldn't resist. Galatians 6. Boy, if this is not conditional, I don't know what is. But it's a promise. Galatians 6, 7. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Don't fool yourself. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Here's the promise. For he that soweth to his flesh, love the flesh, reap corruption. Okay, your life's going to get wrecked. Live according to the flesh, your life's going to be a mess. I don't believe that. You're calling God a liar. God can't lie, remember? He that soweth to the flesh, love the flesh, reap corruption. But he that soweth to the spirit, shall love the spirit, reap life everlasting. Your life will, you will experience the things of this your salvation, okay, and the blessings that come with that. So verse 9 is logical. That being true, verse, verse 7 and 8 being true, verse 9 fits. So let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not, if we faint not. You see it's conditional? If, that's conditional. It's a conditional promise, but it is a promise. These verses have kept me in the ministry at times. Things get hard. You know, church planters like the Casey's. 
how difficult it is to, to plant the church. And I don't know how many times I reminded them, keep at it, keep sowing, keep sowing seed, reaping and sowing, reaping and sowing, or sowing and reaping. I usually say reaping and sowing because R comes before S. But it's sowing and reaping. But you plant the seed, you get the crop. If you don't plant the seed, you don't get the crop. Does it really work? It has to work. God said it. He can't lie. But it is conditional. Do you see that? One last verse on this, James chapter 1. Next week, we're going to look at examples of some Bible characters and what they had to say about this, these issues. James chapter 1 and verse 25, it says, For whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty. Do you see obeying the scriptures as bondage? You're deceived. It is the law of liberty. Liberty means freedom. Freedom. Listen, a believer who's walking with the Lord is experiencing freedom inside. Because sin brings bondage. But walking with the Lord brings freedom. But whoso looks into the perfect law of liberty, that's the word of God. This is where we learn about liberty. And continueth therein. Do you see the conditional? But whoso looketh into the word of God and continues therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Not just the hearer, though. You have to not only hear it, but you have to do it. And God says, okay, if you will hear and do that's conditional, I'll bless you in your life. You'll experience my blessings. All based on, folks, the promises of God, the promises of God. The greatest of all promises that begins everything, if I could say that, is the promise of salvation, right? You put your faith in Jesus Christ, the Savior. Here we are. We're sinners. Us. Sin. God loves us. He hates our sin. Our sin separates us from God. To get to heaven, you have to be sinless, yet we are not. And God says that sin has to be paid for. And if we do it, we'll be lost forever in hell paying for our sin. Good works won't pay for sin. Going to church, turning from all your sin, being sorry for your sin. Oh, I'm sorry for my sin. Doesn't pay for it. I'm sorry, judge, I sinned against you. Dumb statement of preachers years ago. The only language God understands is tears. Boy, that's a slam on his character. He understands every language. Listen, we are helplessly, hopelessly lost. Good works cannot save us. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. That's why Jesus came. Came into the world, the sinless Son of God. God in the flesh, sinless. And he went to the cross and he took all of our sin upon himself and he made the complete payment, leaving us not one thing to pay for. He rose from the grave to prove victorious over sin, death, and hell. And he says, if you will put your faith, your trust in him, he will give you everlasting life as a gift. Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath possesses right now everlasting life. Everlasting life. Jesus said it. Jesus said it. He's God. He can't lie. If you'll put your trust in him, he'll give you that moment everlasting life. Would you trust Christ if you haven't done that? Well, friends, that concludes this edition of Voice of Assurance. Thanks so much for listening. And would you share this ministry with a friend? To contact us or learn more about our ministry, please visit www.northlandchurch.com. Your prayers and support for this ministry are greatly appreciated. Thank you so much, and God bless you.